It's Tuesday at 8pm and you're listening to The Best Possible Taste on West Limerick 102 FM. You're listening to The Best Possible Taste on West Limerick 102 FM. Good evening and you're very welcome to tonight's Best Possible Taste. I'm Sharon Noonan and coming up on tonight's programme, Helen Cook from This Winding Life returns and this evening she's going to be talking about mindful and intuitive eating. Trina O'Callaghan tells us about the latest addition to the Limerick food producer scene, the Little Meringue Company, and Rosemary Bennis in Sonnet's Health Food Store will be sharing details about her favourite food and drink producers from County Tipperary. But before we hear from tonight's guests, let me tell you how to get in touch with me here at the best possible taste. You can make contact by emailing me, s.nunan at live.ie, or you can tweet me at Queen of Org, as in Queen of Organisation. And I'm also on Instagram at Sharon J. Noonan. And if you were tuning in last week, you heard about the Kerry Food Share Initiative, and I put an appeal out to you to get in touch with details of similar initiatives in West Limerick. Well, here in Newcastle West, where West Limerick 102 FM is based, I've been told about two food collections that are taking place. The first one is by Newcastle West Football Club and they've appealed to members and the wider community to drop off non-perishable products and gift items when their underage training sessions take place and to find out when and where those are on, have a look at their Facebook page which you'll find under Newcastle West Town FC and the items are going to be distributed to families in need in the locality. And Desmond College also hosted a food and toiletries collection last week, I believe, and that was for families in need in Newcastle West. And this initiative also highlighted that a number of families have no access to a doctor. So there is an account in Dully's Pharmacy for migrant families that people can donate to, which I think is a great idea. So, of course, we'll all do what we can to support others this Christmas. Now let's go to our first guest this evening. Rosemary Bennis is no stranger to the best possible taste and last week I popped into Saunas in the heart of Newcastle West to find out about her favourite food and drink producers from County Tipperary. Let's have a listen. Bon appétit. Yummy. Grubs up. Delicious. Mmm. Rosemary, great to be back in Saunas. Thank you, Sharon. Welcome. And today we're going to talk about Tipperary producers. You have a lovely basket here of some of your favourite products from County Tipperary. Absolutely. There's a there's a lot going on in Tipperary, Tipperary Food Network and different suppliers. So I'm just dipping my toe in and uh, yeah, have a nice range of stuff. Well, let's start with breakfast. Great. Yes. OK. Because I think you have something for every time of the day. Yes. Definitely, we're trying to meet all needs. But yeah, um, our coffee, our signature coffee that we are really proud of and delighted to have the whole time is from the Old Barracks, so which is just Bird Hill and it's now um, a coffee shop and a venue in its own right, but it's a roastery first and foremost. So we have um, the classic blend from Alan there at the Old Barracks and that is just a really lovely, smooth, rounded blend that gives you gives you all you need in your cup. Gives you the kick. Gives, gives you the little kick. And, uh, and actually, might, I could highlight the decaf as well because decaf is f- really lovely flavour, absolutely gorgeous flavour, but it obviously lessens the, the the buzz. And that's well worth trying if you're if you're a bit sensitive to caffeine, or if you just want to cut back a bit, or if you'd like a flavoured cup later in the day, but you don't want the caffeine. Think about the decaf. But yeah, we do the beans. We we obviously serve it, and then we sell the beans and the ground um, on the shelf. And so many people these days have machines at home or cafetiers at home. So to be able to buy the beans and have it at home, like I personally have a a bean to cup machine at home, that it's great to to be able to use good quality beans in it and have them readily available. Yeah, and it makes all the difference. It just makes all the difference in your your cup. You know, um, yeah, and a huge amount of people now have a good coffee machine. But just if you have a French press cafetiere, you can make a really nice cup of coffee from that. Or yeah, if you want your beans that if it's ground in the machine, um, pick pick out the beans. there's AeroPress as well, which is interesting. It's another little gizmo. It's kind of like another way of pressing coffee. And we do, it's a finer grind, grind and we do that as 
well. So yeah, lots of choice there. And if you want to go for a more healthy beverage first thing in the morning, you have a beetroot juice there that is is from County Offaly, but one of the main ingredients, as well as the Offaly beetroot, that's County Offaly beetroot, is the apples from Clonmel. That's right, at, at contrast, which a lot of people would know for his apple juices, cider vinegar and all that. And he runs it as, he runs his place as a, an apple press as well. Um, so, uh, and Marie at Fairy's Farm, she gets her, her beetroot um, pressed and blends it with um, the apple juice from Trass's farm there and then to produce the beetroot juice. So people might have seen that on Nationwide. It was exposed, a big exposure there during the year and it's a really great product. Really beautiful and beetroot. Yeah, actually you could have it kind of before your cup of coffee or after your cup of coffee or not at all with your coffee. So um, it's a lovely drink. A lot of people promote use it as um, specifically as a health drink because it has properties to help circulation and circulatory system but just as a nice rounded slightly earthy juice it's great yeah really nice product yeah and Amory is getting a lot of exposure at the moment she has won a few awards I think women in agriculture type awards and she's really really pushing ahead with the marketing for the product because it is it's a fairly specialized product it's a niche product but very good for lowering blood pressure. Yeah, yeah, it has. And I mean, it's very well tested and trialled, you know, the, the nitric oxide contained in it. So yeah, it's a it's a lovely product, but I mean, it's a lovely juice and you might want to bring it to, it could be a nice kind of thing to bring to like home or to a family member instead of, I don't know, say a normal bottle of orange juice. And the colour is gorgeous and you can play around with it and make it like reduce it a bit as a syrup or, you know, it's, it's a lovely one. Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. And then another item that you have here that often features in my breakfast, which might surprise some people, is peanut butter from the nutshed, which I often would put on apple slices. Oh yeah, gorgeous. Yeah, yeah. The nutshed Evie and Eliza Ward in um, Nina, they have a really. I mean, they're they're working a long time at this, and they would have come to the market at the milk market. They're still at the milk market, and they now have a production facility, and they send out nationwide, and they possibly are further afield. So. Um, their peanuts is their thing. So they import the peanuts and make their own peanut butter. They do two varieties and they're working on more. And they do mega tubs if you go through a lot of it. And yeah, it's great, great for sandwiches. Great, handy if you've nothing for the kids' lunches and you're cut short on crackers, on apple slices. Make a quick satay sauce with it, stir it into curry. You know, like there's so much you can do. I, I wouldn't be without peanut butter, actually. I think it's great. I take a few spoons from the jar when I'm hungry. Keeps me going. It's good, full of good, full of good fats low sugar like yeah love it See, I was <laughs> a never, good product I was never a fan because I find it very dry and very gritty but I find the combination with the apple is just perfect yeah. I like it too much on the apple I have to say well. and maybe a bit of sea salt as well oh lovely sure it's innocent pleasure but no it is nice and you're right the juice in it sometimes if someone's starting off I always say put it with a little bit of jam and a cracker or on, on, on a piece of toast but the apple is a great idea so there yeah so at the counter we serve the nutsheds nut balls which would be like they have a variety of um, peanut and nut based kind of little power balls or robs as they call them and we also do their slices they do lovely blondies they do brownies with beetroot actually um, they do caramel squares you know they're yeah they do kind of very healthy tasty confectionery basically and they are all very nice and gorgeous with the, the coffee then absolutely yeah, yeah exactly per- yeah. a perfect pairing and great tip about using it in satay sauce yeah yeah honestly that I mean a bit of bit of coconut milk a dash of soy sauce you know you can you can go further and put in a bit of gin, ginger chilli and garlic but even just that basic and whip it up that's actually a nice sauce and that's lovely with your veg or your rice or whatever you want yeah lovely mm. and then moving in maybe to lunchtime you have some lovely condiments there that are brilliant for maybe to go with a salad or, or for example Ravessi Ravessi yeah. Ravessi I have to yeah. pronounce it correctly yeah Shannon and Declan um, they are a great new well new new enough company they've been again they've been in the food market business for a while a bit like the nutshed you know they they had a food truck um developed a couple of great key products and 
became so popular they, they decided to go into food production and are now retailing all over the country to shops like myself to cafes to restaurant restaurants when when serving again um, but it's a very kind of they're they're very smart it's a very on trend condiment so they have two main ones their their top seller great taste tri- triple star award was the ca- uh, their cashew crush which is a kind of um, sweet and sour salty spicy um, like relish almost but you can pop it into anything. You can stir it through stir-fried veg, stir it through rice, stir it through, have a dollop on your mash. Because it's oily. It's oily, so it's got cashew, chilli oil and sesame seeds. That's the main base in it. And it's and it's fabulous with cheese. It's gorgeous with eggs and your sourdough. I see it ticks all the boxes of like a kind of, a, you know, really tasty, really big on taste. Gorgeous food. Great shelf life. Doesn't, you know, it holds. Um, so it's a bit like a kind of a slight riff on a, on a chutney. That's what I would say, but not sweet. So it's really, really great, actually. So peanut, people would know the peanut Ryu from White Mousu. That's another brand that would be a, a relative product but it's gorgeous product lovely and not too hot but just a nice little kick so we find that people just love it um, and then they also do a red onion marmalade has a little bit of portion in it and that's gorgeous as well just to lift a cold plate or just a cheese sandwich you know it's it can be as basic or as wholesome as you like but they're lovely products they hold really well they don't cost the earth and they, they really lift a meal and they're a lovely gift because um, you don't have to do anything in particular you just spice up something ordinary and it's lovely Fabulous mm. so that's the cashew chilli crush and the red onion marmalade then as well Yeah they're both great and so um, and they, they're again another you know really great Tipperary product and, and then we also have the um, other jarred ones that we'd have would be from the scullery. The scullery yeah. yeah. So Flory, who is new to me, but not to you, Sharon. But and also um, she has a really beautiful range that we have. So we've some Christmas as well for her. Yeah. yeah. So Flory is from Nina in County Tipperary, and she would have had a cafe in in Tullamore a number of years ago. And every Christmas she would have been made would have been making her Christmas puddings there um, for the customers. And then of course people wanted to buy them to take them home. So she started selling them as a standalone product every year. And she is known as the Pudding Girl. That would be one of her nicknames. So she actually ended up developing the range, moving out of the cafe and having the scullery as a production facility and and an artisan food producer. So I think she recognised early on that Christmas pudding, it's not something that everybody in the family really likes. So she has these luxury miniature little ones that are individually packaged, which you are stocking in a lovely gift pack. And there's four of them. And then she does a delicious brandy butter with them. Yeah, they're gorgeous. I think it's lovely. It's like a little tower. It's really beautiful. Four mini and and it's lovely. It's It's a decent portion for one. You nearly even split it. And really light, not suet stodgy at all lovely pudding a very light pudding for them in a little pack and then they've, they've got the jar of brandy butter as well and it's in a really cute package and it's a good price I think it's lovely and it's the kind of product you could have in, in January or February you could have another bit if you hadn't used it all really lovely she does them full size as well but I've gone for the minis and then also she's a cute little um duo of um, cranberry sauce and a ham glaze which again is a great like kind of staple to have and you, you kind of reach for it and it's not there you've got it here from the scullery and then um, also for Christmas she's a Christmas chutney which is again a kind of a works well with cold meats cold plates cheese sandwiches turkey sandwiches you know all that kind of thing so lovely product and really beautifully presented as well so I think they're a really lovely gift um, and then we she has a whole range of outside of Christmas projects she has relishes and relishes condiments that kind of thing so we've picked a few of her kind of top top ones a jalapeno one and a corn relish as well so they'll jazz up a burger or you know a steak or they're just a handy reach and again I like these because to me you don't always use them all the time so they hold their good shelf life they they, they deliver a good flavour and, um, and and people love them Absolutely mm. yeah it's a very extensive range that she has now that it, you know she had to expand it from just the Christmas one yeah. because yeah. you know that's not going to, to keep you going year exactly year Christmas only comes yeah. once a year which is maybe <laughs> enough for most of us yeah and then what you could actually do with that relish is 
you have tortilla chips there from Tipperary. You could actually use that relish as a as a bit of a dip. You certainly could. I'm excited about the the the, the tortilla chips we have. Um, they're a really beautiful product, Blanco Nino, which is um, made with authentic in an authentic method. The method is the big thing. Um, they are ground in this huge old stone mill in, um, I think it's... Clonmel. Uh, Clonmel, yeah, think, yeah. In, in, in Nina by um, Philip and, and his team there. And they produce this... It's kind of like an aged um, processing. I think they soak the corn, which... I'm really keen on actually because grains people don't realise this but grains can be difficult to digest Um, grains are the basis of since the industrial revolution grains form the basis of our our diet but they can can contain compounds called phytates which can be irritating to the gut for some people um, and can often sort of inhibit the absorption of the nutrients they're in so anything that soaks that's why soaking your porridge overnight soaking your rice before you cook it um, obviously you'd soak pulses like lentils and peas, people know that, but grain soaked is a really good idea, particularly for a sensitive gut. So it's well worth knowing. So they do this kind of for you. So they soak, I think, and, and, and it's like a 24-hour process. And then it's a slow grind with this huge old stone mill. And the end result is a very, very nice tortilla chip, which isn't any bit of hardship at all. So it's very worthy in a product, but it tastes gorgeous, yeah. And they have a proper kick of um, sea salt in okay. it as well. It's really, yeah. really nice. The actual sea salt is in it. and. Oh, um very Irish very Irish and then as you say a dip of your jalapeno relish and away you go yeah yeah. so one more yes one more and this hiding is hiding in the bottom of the basket yeah, there for something sweet um, we have um, Vera Miklas who is resident in Tipperary and produces a range of dried fruits now and also Vera supplies the confectionery industry with, her, with chocolate as well now I don't do her chocolate but it's well worth anyone who's interested in creations and confections and chocolate production to have a look at her her supply because she does supply a lot of producers but for me I get um, her uh, I came across her at a trade show and just love the flavour it really packs a punch I get strawberries raspberries sometimes blueberries they're all dried really simple packaging a great price and they're just a brilliant staple and especially this time of year when berries aren't in season they're, they're going to go off before you've nearly brought them home, especially raspberries. I find not so much strawberries, but raspberries, and it's a mixed bag. Yeah. You know how much you can actually get out of the tub that you buy. So I find her dried berries are just fantastic. They crumble. They're great for lunches for kids. They're great for a quick topping for anything, for breakfast, dessert, a bit of ice cream. Have we anything for dessert? Yes, we have a bit of yogurt. We have a bit of ice cream. You've got a little sprinkle of that away you go and they're really gorgeous and even actually I've noticed here in the shop toddlers love them yeah they're a a great little snack they hold in the hand they can suck away at them and the strawberries a little softer the raspberries a little kind of crunchier but kids actually really love them I've noticed that and um, so nourishing and and they're just freeze dried that's all they're just picked and dried and ready to go so a great range from County Tipperary, a great yeah. showcase of products from County Tipperary today. And we will be back in the not too distant future and we'll talk about a few Christmas gifts then because we are into December now. So yeah. time to focus the mind on that. Indeed. In the meantime, thanks a million. Rosemary. Pleasure, Sharon. Thank you. You're listening to The Best Possible Taste on West Limerick 102 FM. Welcome back to the best possible taste. I'm Sharon Noonan and just before the break, Rosemary Bannis in Samus shared details about her favourite food and drink producers from County Tipperary. If you are just tuning in now, you might want to catch the best possible taste on West Limerick 102 FM when it's repeated on Wednesday mornings at 8am and the podcasts are available to listen to on SharonNoonan.com as well as iTunes and the podcast app. Still to come tonight, Helen Cook from This Winding Life returns and this evening she's going to be talking about mindful and intuitive eating. 
Next, though, we're going to meet Limerick's latest food producer, teacher by day and meringue maker by night and weekend. Trina O'Callaghan from Newcastle West indulged her meringue passion during lockdown one. However, her passion has turned into a business and she has launched the Little Meringue Company. I met her in the square in Newcastle West to have a chat. Bon appétit. Yummy. Grubs up. Delicious. Mmm. Trina, lovely to meet you here in the square in Newcastle West. Hi Sharon, thank you so much for meeting me today, lovely to meet you. You're very good to come and meet me on this brisk, cool <laughs> November day. Nice crisp morning. <laughs> Teacher by day, meringue maker by night. Tell us about the Irish Meringue Company. So the Irish Meringue Company began in lockdown. So I have been obsessed with meringues for many, many years. So when we, when we got money as a, as a child going to the shop where we're told, you can pick one thing, I picked a box of meringues. The Walker's meringues were my treat. And uh, during lockdown, I thought, okay, I want to know how to make these properly. I failed for so many years, so, um, and I still get batches wrong, but I thought during lockdown, I'm going to try and master them. So yeah, after many, many months um, and many, many batches, I started like having to give them out, dish them out to all the people within my two kilometer range because uh, otherwise I was going to get diabetes myself. And um, so anyway, I started giving them out to people and then people started ordering. I did a market in Cork uh, up in Mahon Point and it went great and it kind of just took off from there and it's been really, really fun and a good experience so far. There definitely is a skill to making meringues. Having att- attempted it many years ago myself, everybody was reaching for the phone to make contact with their dentist. So yeah. there is a skill and a knack involved. There is. So um, I really, really struggled in the beginning and they were quite grainy. They would collapse. I used to try and make them with less sugar than, in gr- than different recipes would say. And it just didn't work. So um, I, will I tell you my my te- some of my techniques that Do, work yeah, okay sure. so what I have found works best is to weigh the egg whites so not to uh, sometimes it'll just say six egg whites and you know an amount of grams of sugar but obviously all eggs are different all egg you know there is a different quantity I guess so I always double the ratio of um, so weigh your egg whites and double that race double that amount for the sugar and then the other technique that the trick that I feel works best is to heat the sugar before you add it to the egg white and how do you heat it, so it in the, caramelize. So you have to watch it in the oven really carefully and when it's just about to caramelize at 200 degrees you whip it out and start adding it slowly into the eggs but then the other um, the other area where I struggled for a while was making sure they were just at the right level of stiffness and the perfect peak before you add the sugar so not too stiff not too runny um, so that still catches me out <laughs> but uh, yeah no, I feel like I finally kind of got the right the right mix and once they're soft in the middle I feel like it's a good a good solid batch ready to go and in terms of the eggs then are you particular about where you source your eggs from so initially I would have always used just free range eggs and I started just buying them in the supermarkets and then I was buying them from Palace Foods and um, there's a lovely local lady who gives me free range eggs but recently I found so a lot of people had said to me about buying egg whites and I was really really skeptical about it so um, I just thought okay I'll try them for a Sunday lunch at home see how they go and they actually went really really well and I find Swiss are more uniform maybe the egg whites and I feel like they actually do give a really good result so I for after being really skeptical and not wanting to use them and only wanting to use free range I have started using some of the the egg white cartons and I find them really good well I suppose if you were just using normal eggs all the time you'd have a lot of waste with the yolks you need to find something to do with the yolks so that was my uh, I had so many egg yolks it was ridiculous so I started making egg yolk cookies so I use those as a topping and love them and then a friend of mine up in Kildare Trees loves lemon curd and said you have to make lemon curd so I did and again it took more time to try and perfect and get it right Um, but yeah I love lemon curd now and it's actually been a really popular topping and I use it for the, the mini kisses which is two little mini meringues with a little spoon of lemon curd so um, yeah so I, luckily I'm starting to use them very productively Fabulous, well let's talk about the product range because you, you've brought a sample here and you, these are the lemon kisses that you're talking about That's right. So they're like two little meringues sandwiched together with the lemon curd That's right, so there's the mini meringue kisses and there's a range of fillings so I use lemon curd which is a 
homemade, like I was saying, using the egg yolks. Um, salted Nutella butter cream, which is this one here. And then there's the homemade caramel. Uh, so that was another... Um, another uh, ing or recipe I had to kind of master during lockdown but um, yeah it's really popular people seem to really enjoy the buying I sell little jars of caramel and people heat them up and you know pour it over so it's a nice treat you know for a birthday or, or whatever uh, it's a popular one um, and then this one here so the larger ones then for here for here in Newcastle West and Sunnis um, myself and Rosemarie discussed different toppings so we used dark chocolate and the dry freeze-dried fruit from Vera Miklas which is based in Tipperary so the strawberries the passion fruits a really nice one and the pineapple um, we use coconut walnuts pecans almonds and then the luxury the other luxury toppings that I've used in other stockists would be the milk chocolate with there is a kinder bino crunchy twirl all of the all the lovely yummy treats <laughs> so um yeah that's kind of our our range you have a lovely brand as well the the logo how did you come up with the idea for the logo so i can take zero credit for the logo um a really lovely girl a, a really good friend of mine maria <clears throat> she's a graphic designer in london and she designed the branding and the logo and really helped me with the colors and the packaging so she gets full credit for that <laughs> so have you done a start your own business course and you've got the kitchen hassle approved and all of that so literally uh when it all began i was uh, it started small i guess and i didn't think about doing any of those so then you just really did it as a hobby to start off with it was completely a hobby while my little boy was having naps I was like I'm gonna see how this goes because I didn't get into the banana bread trend the, the meringues was my thing so um, that's how it started off but then I got onto the Limerick Enterprise office so I've signed up and due to start my start your own business course very soon and I in January and I've also been working with um, a really nice guy in Killarney who's been business consultancy and he's been helping me get the has approved and the HSC and get the kitchen up to standard so um, the kitchen is almost finished now so it's been it's been a bit of a whirlwind and I wouldn't have imagined last April the paperwork that I would be doing now in the administration and the, the renovations in the kitchen so it's been yeah almost like a blur but very exciting and a really uh, yeah really nice project kind of and business venture that I never ever saw myself going into. I said at the start there you're a primary school teacher and you teach in Abbey Field. So do you find those teaching skills you've been able to apply those whenever it comes to the paperwork and just even communicating your message out there about the business? Um, I suppose in terms of paperwork um, in terms of getting the message across at school it's, it's interesting I would always have been really into you know promoting our Facebook page um, and with the business I have really been into promoting the product through Instagram uh, so definitely those skills have been applied paperwork isn't my isn't my forte at all unfortunately so that's the side of things that builds up on me um, for sure so that's the side that I, I definitely reach out to people for help with um, but with, in terms of the branding and promotion I find that yeah this, the skills have definitely been transferable for Instagram which has been really good fantastic and where do you see the business going now like it started as a hobby it's turned into a, a bona fide enterprise for you now like do you see yourself going full time at it and giving up the teaching oh, or is it too soon to tell it's definitely too soon to tell and I think I'm even scared to even think uh, that far ahead because there are times of the baking where it is so intense and you're trying to make sure you've all the orders done right and you know there's a lot of late nights early mornings which I really enjoy but I guess I also love the teaching and really enjoy it um, so the mix at the moment has been really really good um, in terms of where it's going it's so I've actually just this morning been talking to another restaurant in Limerick about doing a collaboration there so it's I've really enjoyed going around to um, different restaurants um, in the area like, there is restaurants I didn't even know existed I was out in Art Patrick at a really nice place called I don't know if you know it's Bruce and Willow and it's like our Patrick is this tiny village with this gorgeous little restaurant and cafe and this really lovely group of people, Idel, Dara and Brendan running it. And it's near the Ballyhowra walking trail and it's so gorgeous out there. So um, when I got the message from them originally, I into Google Maps, where am I going? And got out there and thought, this is just, you know, a little treasure uh, in the middle of this small area and it's beautiful. So 
Um, I've really enjoyed it in like Nana Bees in Castle Island or another cafe that's just come on board. Really gorgeous um, places and they're run by local people. So I really enjoy going to all these new places. So I don't want that to stop. So definitely, I suppose expansion is in my head. Um, so that, yeah, it's just, it's, I suppose it's up in the air at the moment, but uh, it's exciting. But it sounds that you're going to be very exclusive and selective as to where you, let, you know, where you put the product, that the right fit has to be there. I think it does. I just think it, it's not a, a it's a probably a product that wouldn't work in, in every outlet, but I really like the idea of, of it being in places that I love to go into. Like coming down here on a Friday morning to Sunnis is just so lovely. You've got queues out the door. People love the coffee, the gorgeous old barracks coffee in there there's such a lovely atmosphere with rosemary and all the girls and the team here working so it's um it's really lovely to call in there and i like calling to places where you have lovely chats it's a real nice experience so yeah i guess i wanted to be in places where it'll work well and where there is you know lovely atmosphere and it's really enjoyable and as we approach christmas i would imagine you're you're getting busy of a lot of orders on your books coming up to christmas with maybe special christmas flavors for example yeah so christmas has been absolutely hectic and you know my intention was to launch all these Christmas flavours and put them up but the order book is almost full already for Christmas but certainly yeah I've like got candy canes like some lovely Christmas marshmallows that I'm looking at and uh, yeah so like cinnamon is another one um, but it, it's funny when I've chatted to people and they're putting their orders they seem to love the same flavours kind of come up people love Kinder, Twirl, Crunchy Kinder Bueno, um, they just seem to be, the, and the Maltesers, they're the real favourites still. So I think it'll be a lot of the, the same, the ones that were done throughout the year. Fantastic. Facebook and Instagram, are those the best places for people to go to make contact with you to see what you're up to? So I actually didn't launch a Facebook page yet. I had intended to and then Instagram kind of took over and I find it really good. The reels have been brilliant for, um, you know, kind of displaying the different products and flavours and the process. So yeah, Instagram is actually how I do 99% of the orders is through the the instant messaging. Um, Some calls, some WhatsApps, but mostly it is through Instagram. Well, listen, thanks so much for taking the time to meet me today and tell me all about it. Very exciting, very excited for you. And I'll be keeping an eye on what you're up to next year with all these new developments. And best of luck with all the the bacon for the festive season. Oh, thank you so much, Sharon. I really appreciated the opportunity to speak to you today and just to take the opportunity to thank everyone locally who's been really supportive. I really do appreciate it. Thank you so much. You're very welcome. You're listening to The Best Possible Taste on West Limerick 102 FM. Welcome back to The Best Possible Taste. I'm Sharon Noonan and just before the break, teacher by day and meringue master by night, Tarina O'Callaghan from Newcastle West explained how her passion for making meringues has resulted in her launching the Little Meringue Company. And having received a box of meringues from Trina after our conversation, I can assure you that they were the lightest ones I have ever tasted and I'm very happy to recommend. So well worth picking up the next time you're in Saunas. And on that note, earlier in the show, we were delighted to hear Saunas owner Rosemary Bennis's favourite food and drink producers from County Tipperary. If you're just tuning in now, you might want to catch the best possible taste on West Limerick 102 FM when it's repeated on Wednesday mornings at 8am and the podcasts are available to listen to on SharonNoonan.com as well as iTunes and the podcast app. So our final guest this evening is Helen Cook from the blog called This Winding Life. Helen is going to share with us her experience of mindful and intuitive eating. Bon appétit. Yummy. Grubs up. Delicious. Mmm. Helen, you're very welcome to the programme this evening. How are you keeping? I'm keeping very well, Sharon. How are you? I'm great and it's lovely to have you back with us and you have a very important topic to discuss this evening, it being the first day of December. It is a month of excess, I think that's fair to say and I think we need it more than ever because of the year that we've had and we're going to talk about eating intuitively. Yes, we are indeed, and and mindful eating as well. Um, so, there, have you heard of either of those concepts before? I have, but I must confess to not really implementing them in my life. 
<laughs> like many people now this month when the tins of sweets and biscuits and things come in, I think you can find the hand going in and in and in. And before you know it, you're not feeling so great and you think, oh, why did I do that? Exactly, exactly, yeah. So they are actually two slightly different though, ideas. We'll start maybe a little bit with mindful eating. Um, it's it's probably the simpler of the two. So mindful eating is what it says on the tin, no pun intended. Um, it's being present and being aware and just being connected to your food. So nowadays we're, we all tend to eat mindlessly. We all tend to just shove the food in, we're watching telly, we're on our devices, we're minding children, we're eating on the commute, whatever it is we're doing, we're just multitasking and eating is just something we're doing while we're doing something else. And people that started this mindful eating movement, it's just a a return back to kind of more old fashioned way of eating, which is just set up your table, turn off the TV, put away the phone, put out a nice plate, serve yourself. And you can do this if you're single or a couple or with a family and actually just connect to the ritual of food. And you find then that you're just eating a lot more slowly. And that's really good for like digestion because actually when we're shoveling the food in or shoveling in the celebrations, we're also shoveling in a lot of air and that can make you quite gassy and uncomfortable. And a lot of people don't realize that. So by slowing everything down, it gives the brain a chance to catch up. And then you might realize, oh, actually, I'm full enough. I've had enough. I don't really need that last piece. But more than that, Sharon, you've had the whole experience and the connection. And you've really kind of enjoyed yourself. And I suppose Christmas dinner is probably, for a lot of families, the only meal of the year that we really do that for nowadays. You know, some families, I suppose, still do you know, Sunday dinners, or they might do dinners during the week. But for a lot of people, Christmas dinner is the one time that we really, you know, we, we all sit down together around the table, the table's decorated really nicely, the food is brought out, we take our time, we laugh, we joke, we play games. And, you know, afterwards, you feel great. Well, you feel great because you're full of lovely food. But you also have that really lovely, happy feeling, because you've you've laughed and you've joked and you've been with your family. And, that stays with you for a long time. So mindful eating is that idea. Imagine if we had that every night of the week or two or three nights of the week or at the weekend, rather than just seeing food as like fuel or I'm doing it because I'm hungry and I want to get it in. And then in terms of like health, a few of the people who started this movement, there's there's some articles you can find online where they have, it has led or it has gone to weight loss you know, for some people. And that shouldn't always be the goal, but for some it is. And I think it's, again, because you're stopping at that point before you overeat. Now, you're not going to lose stones with mindful eating, but you might end up losing a few pounds if that's what you need to do. Because, again, you're just taking less in and you're being more kind of in tune with your body. Yeah. Yeah, and I think you actually can go a step back, especially when you're talking about the Christmas dinner there. I think people are more mindful about the preparation when it comes to Christmas dinner. Like we spend a lot of time planning it, shopping for it, preparing it. Like it's the only meal of the year that I would have the veg ready to go the night before so that we can relax a bit more on the day itself and enjoy the day itself more. But even that ritual of peeling 100 potatoes, if you have umpteen people coming, like that shouldn't be viewed as a chore. It should be viewed as, look, this is a nice way to spend Christmas Eve because you're going to be welcoming a lot of guests to the house the next day. Not this year, but in in normal years, that would be the case for a number of people. And I know certainly going back to childhood, whenever we were growing up, my parents would have been flat out right up until the last gasp on Christmas Eve because they had a fruit shop. So it was one of those essential services that people were were leaving until leaving by and doing their shopping there until the very last minute. And our job would have been on Christmas Eve to peel all of those potatoes and the carrots and, and everything, which to be honest, we didn't really enjoy. But looking back on it, I actually have some very funny memories of 
blocking up a waste disposal unit and finding myself standing in an inch of water on Christmas Eve. Like, you know, it wasn't very funny at the time, but we can laugh about it now. So just to remember that it is an opportunity to make memories, getting your children involved, to, to set the table. We'd always have the table set the night before as well. Make loads of effort with the table, the tablescaping, the centrepieces, the chargers, the napkins, all of that because it can contribute to those lifelong memories. Absolutely. I think that's a really good point. And even when you mentioned children there, I think we've become quite um, scaredy cats around our kids these days where we don't let kids near a knife or we don't let kids into the kitchen. And actually, you know, we need to give kids a little bit more credit than that. Like they're well able to do basic tasks in the kitchen. And it's all about building memories, as you said, and building fun and also getting children as well to know where the, the Christmas dinner or any dinner comes from. It doesn't just arrive on the plate like someone has to. And you don't even need to get into the, the farmer and all of that side, which you can at some point. But even just to know that, yeah, the potatoes need to be peeled, carrots need to be chopped and we put them in water and, you know, we put the lid on and then they're good to cook the next day. And if you are nervous, I think there are some great products out there. I think there's some even good Irish companies that do the safety peelers and safety knives for kids. They could be quite a nice gift to get someone this Christmas and um, let them add it. Yeah. And all dishes are nicer with a little bit of love, aren't they? Absolutely. And as you say, to involve them and not make it a chore for them, that it should be something fun to do, that you're having the, the chats and everything over, that it's not a rush that we have to get this done in the next five minutes. Hurry up, hurry up, hurry up. You're not doing that right. Or you're not yeah. cutting the, the the carrot batons in the right shape and size. Like it's, you know, it's not the Absolutely. end of the world. Yeah. And you know, it's also about like not, not, you know, everyone enjoying their own version of Christmas as well. Like in my family, you know, we, we didn't have a very pretentious Christmas. Like it was very homely. And, you know, I've told some friends this story and they've laughed, but like we've had all kinds of things on Christmas day because I have five brothers and sisters. So when we were younger, like not everyone's going to eat all the different things so my one sister hates veg so we used to have potato waffles on for her someone else didn't eat any other veg except cauliflower so there'd be about five different veg on and my mom used to just say it's christmas day like eat what you want you know like eat what you want enjoy yourself so we used to have like a selection box for breakfast and then we would have and then my sister just eat the turkey and stuff and, and a potato waffle and the rest was to be having different things and you know, I thought her attitude was so, so right, you know, because they were great fun days and everyone ate what they wanted to eat and it wasn't like a big thing, you know, made of it. Yeah, I'll tell you a funny story now that the listeners who know my husband will enjoy and that was many years ago. We did do a big family Christmas here. It was before we had any any children and my husband loves to cook. He's a fantastic cook. But he does go a bit overboard and he can turn into a bit of a Gordon Ramsay in the <laughs> kitchen. So on Christmas Day, here he was, our kitchen dining is all the one. So everybody was sitting and he was barking orders at me left, right and centre. And I thought, I've had enough now. I've had enough. So I walked out of the, the room and went upstairs and thought, I'm just going to get back into bed here. And I was in the bathroom washing my face and he came up and he said, please come back down and help me, please. And I said, look, you've got to wind your neck in and be a bit more Nevin Maguire-like in the kitchen. I can't <laughs> hack this. And I'd already said to him, you see, beforehand, you're doing too much, too many different varieties. But he was like, well, this one likes this and this one likes that. And, and he was trying to please everybody and accommodate everybody. And two months after Christmas, I opened the microwave because we didn't we don't use it very often. And here in the microwave was a, a bowl of something that was unrecognizable. And it turned out <laughs> to be marrow fat peas that he put into the microwave on Christmas Day to heat up. And of course, had completely forgotten about 
until I had discovered them. Nobody was looking for them on Christmas Day. They weren't missed at all. So now I'm very much like, look, let's keep it simple. It doesn't have to be all singing, all dancing. It doesn't have to be done the way his mother did it. Let's make make it our own, put our own stamp on it. And it makes for a much more enjoyable day. So it does, for me anyway. Absolutely. Yeah, I think for everybody it does, yeah. So that's, that's mindful eating. And then we might just chat a little bit about intuitive eating quite just quite quickly and this is a little bit more maybe for people out there who are perhaps maybe struggling a little bit with their weight or struggling a little bit with diets because that is also a huge proportion of of the population and for a lot of women then Christmas can be really tough time of the year but intuitive eating is something you could maybe have a little look at um uh, I'll tell you the names of the books at the end Sharon and and I'll have them on my blog this month as well if anyone wants to check it out but whereas mindful eating is like what we were talking about, there's no like rules to mindful eating. It's just switch off and enjoy. Whereas intuitive eating is actually a framework that was developed by two dietitians in the 1990s in the US. And what they discovered from seeing patients were that if you were a long-term dieter, and some women could diet for 20, 30 years, they're dieting all their life, that they end up heavier than when they began. So I think a few of us know that story, like, you lose the weight, you put on a little bit of weight. You lose the weight, you put on another bit of weight. And you weirdly end up maybe heavier than when you started five years ago. I mean, that's, you know, I see the, the listeners can't see you. I can see you're nodding there. So you know the story. We absolutely, all do. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. If I could go back five years now, I'd be very happy with that weight. Yeah, I know. I know. All So many are the same. And, and that's actually, there's a lot of, I won't get into it now, it's quite complex, but there's a lot of science and psychology behind how all of that happens. And these two ladies came up with this framework, intuitive eating, and it's basically 10 principles, 10 kind of rules, it's not quite the right word, but 10 ideas that you need to start thinking about or working through. And they have like exercises and a workbook and things that you can do. And it just makes you really stop and think about everything that you know about food or that you told yourself about food. So we all have these like food rules. Like I can eat this, but I can't eat that. I can eat this, but only after I go for a walk. And some of the main principles of it are that there's no good or bad food. There's no good or bad food. Like a chocolate muffin isn't a bad food. Like you're not going to be poisoned and die from it. Um, nor is a carrot a particularly good food. They, they are what they are. And we should be able to eat bits of all of them and have a healthy relationship to all of it. So they call that food neutrality. Just food is food. Don't be putting all these labels on it. And also what's quite important with it as well is, is just to think about a child. Like We just mentioned children there as well. A baby or a child eats intuitively. They would close their mouth when they're full and they'll cry when they're hungry. And when you watch a toddler learning to eat, like some tastes they like, some they gravitate towards, a child won't actually gorge on sweets. I think they've done some experiments with this. Like if you put them out, they'll naturally gravitate towards different things if you put a whole load of things on their on their um, plate. And we need, we have that actually still as adults, but we've just totally switched it off through diet culture, through like our mothers told us we had to eat everything on the plate or we, you know, we would get into trouble. Um, or someone told us one time that we were fat and blah, blah, blah. So over a lifetime, this builds up until food becomes this unbelievable thing, this monster in the room. And I think this time of the year, then, it's when all this lovely food is around and we're getting together with family, it's a shame to, to be in that mindset. But also Christmas can be very triggering then for some people who are on a diet because they start freaking out and thinking, oh no, maybe I'm going to put on weight, I'm going to have to lose in January. So there's a lot there to unpack, but I suppose it's maybe just to have a little bit of think about that. And if you are someone that has a lot of that kind of mentality, there are these resources out there, there are these books out there, which are can be a really good help to help you start to unpack that a little bit and just get to a place where you know, you're not weighing yourself. That's another big part of intuitive eating is that you don't weigh yourself. You just forget about that. You forget about diets. Anyone where anyone's trying to sell you something like no sugar, no gluten, no carb, 
low this fact that they might call it a lifestyle, but at the end of the day, these are all modern versions of the old-fashioned diet. And that's been proved time and time again that it just doesn't work. Like, there's a statistic, I think, that about 70 or 80% of all contestants on The Biggest Loser in the US have put back on the weight more. And, and that's actually a good study because that ran for a very long time in America, that program. And, you know, they had 10 or 20 people each, you know, each season. So they, they looked at those people over, over time. And the thing is that they weren't given the tools really after the support. And they were kind of told, these are good foods to eat and you don't eat them foods. And we we're all have that, again, back to the child, we all have that childish thing in it. Like, if you tell me not to eat chocolate, what are you going to think about all day? Absolutely, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) You know, um, so look, there's no, there's no kind of feeling guilty about any of that. That's the other thing to it, intuitive eating. And I hope nobody listening to this feels guilty, you know, going into their Christmas. But it just might make you stop and think a little bit about, you know, with the mindful stuff, that's great. You know, I think everyone can do a little bit of that. And with the intuitive eating, if that's something you'd like to explore more, maybe in the new year, the book, Sharon, is called Intuitive Eating by Elise Resch and Evelyn Trebol. And there's a work uh, workbook and a book. And also there's another book by a girl in the UK, Laura Thomas, um, PhD. She's on Instagram, actually, as Laura Thomas, PhD. She's got some great resources up there. And her book is called Just Eat It. And you can get them anywhere. Um, I think I picked up Just Eat It in Easton's a couple of years ago. Um, they're great books. Maybe leave them till the new year, though. You don't maybe want to be getting into all of that in the next couple of weeks. But um, I just thought I'd share with you anyway. No, that's fantastic. You know, great tips and advice there. And I think the, the top tip is just enjoy your food, but be aware or, you know, be aware of what your body's telling you it needs. Does it need something healthy and nutritious or you know is it time for a little treat and whenever you have that treat you know you don't have to eat every single bite of it in one go I know easier said than done but as you say you know it's it's about listening to yourself you you know if we've switched it off now try and switch it back on absolutely and I think if you are someone that struggles with weight like I am one of those people in previous years I would have started my Christmas eating around now and I just would have said feck it the diet starts in January and then I'd get to January and I'd be so disappointed whereas this year I'm going to say I don't need to start eating mince mince pies on the 1st of December why don't I leave them till Christmas week you know what I mean it's just making a few little thoughts like that I don't need to open the celebrations just yet but I really enjoy them on Christmas Eve you know, so it's just kind of making a few little thoughts like that with yourself so that maybe you are just managing it a little bit, but managing it in a very kind and self-care type of way. Absolutely. Well, listen, thanks so much for, for talking to us about that this evening, Helen. And you're going to be back with us before Christmas because you're going to be doing some homemade gifts this year. I am, yeah, I'm at home more. I've been collecting jars, Sharon, all year. I didn't know what I was going to do with them. Jam jars, this is. And I've been looking up some great ideas, so I can't wait to share those with you. Gifts and jars. Well, we look forward to that. In the meantime, we should ask the listeners to pop on to your blog, thiswindinglife.org, and hopefully you'll have a few more pics of Pippin up there for us. How is he doing? Oh, he's doing great. He's doing great. He's as bold as anything at times, but um, no, he's great. He has me out walking every day, which is brilliant. Absolutely fantastic. Well, listen, enjoy the rest of your evening, Helen, and thanks again for talking to us. Thanks, Sharon. Thank you. Bon appétit. Yummy. Grubs up. Delicious. Mmm. And that brings us to the end of the programme this evening. Thanks to tonight's guests, Helen Cook, Trina O'Callaghan and Rosemary Bennis. And until next week, stay safe and bon appétit. Do you want to get in touch with the best possible taste? Do you want to come on, share a recipe, review a cookery book, or just have a general chat about what you like to eat and drink? All you have to do is get in touch with me, Sharon Noonan, by sending an email to s.noonan at live.ie or send me a tweet at Queen of Org. Bon appétit!